0: Yeah, boys, welcome to the Bucky Cast. It's Justin here with John and Ryan. How we doing tonight, boys?
1: Wow, you came with the energy tonight, Justin. Dang!
0: Somebody told me to be passionate, so I'm bringing the energy
2: tonight. That's yeah, a oh. It's a lot. It's a <laughs> lot.
1: <laughs> this isn't professional wrestling, man. It's, All right, it's, it's okay.
2: You don't, <laughs> it's okay. Gonna, you don't want me to bust out but my we're
0: do- <laughs> wrestling we're persona. Doing-
1: well, you, you could if you wanted to, but it would throw the show completely off topic. Hi, everybody. I'm John.
2: Ryan, and we're doing pretty good. Not quite at, at <laughs> Justin's level, but we'll get there probably. All right. All right. I hope
0: that's, so. That's what the beer is for, to get us rolling. Exactly. Speaking of which, what are we rolling with tonight, boys? I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to you first. Ryan, what do you have?
2: Uh, I am drinking uh, Fat Orange Cat Baby Kittens. It is a New England style uh, hazy tail ale. They have another one where – so they, they have like a progression, and uh, this is not advocating for any type of violence against any type of animals, but fat uh, the baby kittens is the first level, and then their double IPA is like the guy kind of chasing the kittens around the house, and it gets darker and darker from there when you get into the stouts. So, so does they, that have like a
0: nipple on it for you to drink they, out of? It's like They
2: have a whole progression with, beer. with cats, but the the beer is very good. It's a hazy New England style IPA.
1: All right. Uh, I am drinking from One Barrel Brewing Company, their Varsity Amber. Uh, one Barrel, for those who don't know, is a little brewery that literally they were brewing one barrel batches when they started out. Uh, down in the Beermuda Triangle on uh, Wisconsin or on uh, Madison's Near East Side over by Willie Street, Naborg. For those Madison residents, I know you two guys are uneducated completely.
0: Oh, that no, that's um, not just Madison.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. One Barrel Brewing now actually has a place up in Door County, so if you're ever up in that direction, uh, it's literally kitty corner from Shipwreck Pub up in Egg Harbor. Anywho, uh, you know, it's it, I, I've had better ambers, I've had worse. Uh, this one is drinkable. So uh, yeah, not it's it's not incredibly malty. It tastes a little bit bitter, but. All right, on, the, all right. on that lukewarm note, I'll kick it back to you,
0: Justin. <laughs> I have a hat trick going tonight. I apparently really felt like drinking, so I picked up some other beer on the way home from the gym. And, and I'm a uh, belching
1: beaver. That's sad.
0: Yeah, that's gone. I Never saw to that at
1: Woodman's, by the way, so thank you for warning me off that, otherwise <laughs> I would have bought some.
0: But I, I have the trio going tonight. I have a little Sherbert and Ernie from Barrel 41. Mm. Uh, it's growing on me a little bit. It is a milkshake. IPA has a little bit of uh citrus in it in the form of, uh, some grapefruit. I'm Which not a huge grapefruit guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's a <laughs> wonderful the, combination. Okay, it just grapefruit means it's a
0: creamier beer. Into- all right. <laughs> calm down. Just calm down. The, but the sherbet flavor, it's, it's, it's pretty good. I can see where it's got that kind of sherbet flavor to it. If anyone that's ever had that is normally a very citrus flavor. Um, Beer number two that I'll be diving into is lemon bar milkshake from Lion's Tail out of It's really good. Uh, think of a lemon shandy uh, with a little bit of a creamier flavor than what you normally get from it. Really good beer. Like that yeah, one a lot. I've had it several times. You
1: like having like a, a thing of orange juice and just pouring like a whole thing of creamer no. in there. Well, and like, oh, I mean, oh, so based off, so on, on it's
0: based it's off the beer selection tonight, I may be diabetic by the time the episode's over. Um, oh, wait, <laughs> back. Bad. yeah that would be bad um, the, the last beer that I will have is the Saugatuck Brewing uh, started out with them with the peanut butter porter a couple episodes ago they have a blueberry lemonade oh. shanty which is awesome so I really like that one really enjoy it had it a couple times good flavor probably can't drink a ton oh. of them but it's a beer that if you want one or two of them it's not bad at all
2: that's an eclectic Shambies. mix like you're coming with kind of an eclectic mix, especially for you it's, it's, with what you it's brought kind of a It's
0: kind of a summertime brewery thing going on here. Uh, all of them are, you know, a little bit more citrus, lighter beers. Um, I like all three of them. I would say that I lean towards the last two probably a little bit more as I've had them before, and I definitely have enjoyed them. Uh, but the Sherbert and Ernie is starting to grow on me a little bit, so I'm liking that.
1: Sounds like you have a fruit salad and a six-pack of Bush Light, but regardless...
0: All right. Well, you know, with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into it a little bit, a little news and notes. Kicking off tonight, uh, I know John's going to go ahead and lead us off here with a new volleyball transfer.
1: That is correct. Uh, the UW women's volleyball team has a new libero. Uh, her name is Jocelyn Boyer. Uh, she is from, actually, I believe, Downers Grove, Illinois. Um. Fifth in the Big Ten last year in digs overall, and at 3.77 digs per set, uh, she was ranked 10th in the Big Ten, which, you know, pretty decent. Um, uh, knew of Lauren Barnes and Dana Retke from the, their club team. She's a little bit younger than, than, uh, than them, obviously. Uh, she's a pretty good passer as well. Probably not going to supplant our current Libero um but she will be a defensive specialist or will compete for that role i think this next season and then after that she still has a couple years of eligibility left so she will probably be taking over that libero position
2: can i ask the question of the guy who the, the, speaking for everyone who doesn't watch volleyball what is a libero like as i don't actually know
1: why you got to put me on the spot like that, man? I, I, I uh, don't April know. I was t- usually <laughs> in charge of um, playing in the center of the court. And this is, this is, is the, a complete like the point guard of
2: volleyball. This is better than anything I have. So.
1: Okay. Well, I may be making this up off the top of my head. <laughs> they are usually in charge of um, digging out the serve. And then they are sort of, I don't want to say they're the quarterback, but they pass the ball up to the uh, hitters then at the front. okay, That's supposed to be their role, although setters are also, that's their primary job.
0: To to aid you here, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to toss out there. The Libero is the player specialized in defensive skills. They must wear a contrasting jersey color from their teammates and cannot block or attack the ball when entirely above the the net height. When the ball is not in play, the libero can replace any back row player without prior notice to the officials.
1: Oh, he he googled me. He googled it.
0: Just hit me up with like fifty times more than I knew about that position. (laughs) Yeah, I know
1: more too. But um, I'm going to go out there. I'm
0: going to throw this out there. I watching that tournament with the girls was astounded by how little I knew about volleyball in terms of the roles that they play. Same. It was shocking how little I knew, especially watching their formations and stuff that they were playing in. I'm like,
2: no Why clue. Are they
1: doing that? I'm yeah.
2: completely ignorant to the sport. I, I loved watching it, but I'm completely ignorant to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I made an educated guess. So, you know, um, anyway, uh, I did enjoy, I, I read a uh, interview she did and she said that the reason she came to Wisconsin was that she wanted to play for a winner. So, Ouch. um, Sorry, Iowa. No.
0: <laughs> uh, you sure United? she wasn't a Minnesota player?
1: <laughs> no, no. Minnesota's got a very good women's volleyball program. This, this I, I, I hate them, true. but they they are good. Iowa's is, is is not. They're they're poop. But anyway, that's that's what we have on Jocelyn Boyer.
0: All right. Uh, moving on to round two, uh, some news on the the sadder front. John Paulus, Badger legend. John, you got a little bit of information on him?
1: Um, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, and I don't know how you wouldn't know, uh, John Paulus passed away last week at the age of 88. Um, legendary figure around uh, Madison. Um, did not go to the UW. He went to Michigan and then transferred to Murray State, where he was a very, very good uh, tennis player. Um, did a little bit of professional tennis and then got into coaching basketball. And he came to UW back in uh, 1964 as an assistant coach and then immediately took over the men's tennis team until 1968, at which point he became the actual head coach of the men's basketball program, finished with a losing record, um, he he lasted till 1976, so he was the coach for eight years. That was when Wisconsin's basketball program was still wandering through the desert. Um, but John Paulus is is more famous for just uh, the man than the um, than the uh, basketball coach. Um, he really just embodied everything you'd want to have in a in a Wisconsin um, Wisconsin fan and coach. Um, He started the John Paulis Tennis Center in Madison. Uh, It's still still there. Um, I don't know who's going to run it now that he's gone. But um, so lots of he's he's educated many 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 tennis players over the years. Uh, He was a champion senior tennis player um, for a long time because he's been around for a long time. But he was the number one player seventy and over for. A good long period uh, continued to play even after having both of his knees um, replaced. So <laughs> he, was, he was even number one in the 80 plus category for a couple of years. He was down to number three right around the time he was gone. Um, even I, I read this somewhere and I, it doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, the Wednesday before he died Uh, He was still talking to his physician about possibly getting out to play some more tennis. So that's how dedicated he was to tennis. That's amazing. Great storyteller, great storyteller, great guy all around. He's been inducted into the UW Hall of Fame and Sports Hall of Fame in 2002 and the State of Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame in 2009. Just a a wonderful gentleman and ambassador for his sport and a UW great and it, it, what can I say? It, it leaves a huge gap. Um, rest in peace, John Paulus. Uh, great gentleman. Agreed. Well done, John.
0: Thank you. With that, you know, moving on to some more Badger news. Slightly happier note. Um, South End Slightly. Zone project for Camp Randall. Oh, eh. we, we both know that I think we all have our standard of what the next project we would like to be happening for Wisconsin. We're kind of out of order right now. I think we like the practice facilities to be the first, the next thing. At least anyone who's a heavy Badger fan. All right, well, go. All
1: right, fine. Go into what we were going to talk all about. Right.
0: then. <laughs> we're going to talk about the South End Zone project at Camp Randall.
2: Oh, I can, I can jump in on this. So this is a, this is a, a football project on uh, Camp Randall. They're going to take um, some of the bleacher seats in the end zone and turn them into lodge boxes, luxury boxes. Some um, lodge, lodge,
1: is Lose. it lodge? No. Lodge well, it's not spelled lodge.
2: It's L O G E. Either yes, way, loge. so they're converting kind of the the seats we see everywhere that are really tight, uncomfortable to more comfortable seating. So the capacity is going down a little bit, but the the luxury components going up. Um, it's a seventy seven million dollar renovation that was actually put on hold for a little bit due to COVID. So, I it think looks like the,
1: It's got a mezzanine in it, which it is It does. Nice.
2: And I think there's some additional food, like a little, like some yeah. areas to eat and relax. And it
1: extends into the field house, yep. which is nice. So, yep. um, and, if you think about it, having that mezzanine level, like uh, being able to stand up there, may make up a little bit for the seating, you know, that, that is vanishing.
2: Which we don't sell out anyway. I mean, we sell yes, out, but we don't sell true. out anyway. So, I've always thought that this is kind of the natural progression for a lot of stadiums
1: have you guys guys ever sat in the south end zone
0: no i've only sat in the middle i've sat in the middle
1: i've sat there three different times and uh let me tell you something it was a pain in the butt to sit there um the acoustics are terrible the wind blows right in through that gap between the upper deck and the field house and um, you can only see what's going on in the south end zone. It's almost impossible to see anything that's 20 yards past the south end zone.
2: Yeah, that's brutal. So
1: anything that improves the uh, experience in that south end zone is, is a plus. And especially in closing the, in closing the, uh, the stadium on that end, should do a ton for those swirling winds that blow through Camp Randall. It is a wind tunnel in there. I mean, if it's really blowing and you happen to wander in there, you almost get blown onto the field. So, uh, yeah, good, good project. I'm, I'm pleased with it. Just wish we didn't need new practice facilities so bad.
0: I yeah. agree. But they both, both need to happen.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say
1: you yeah. need both. And I think the
2: completion date for this was August 2022 is, is what
0: yeah, I Yeah, So on. it's not far off. I so, mean, they'll yeah. make quick work of it and get it done. So
1: start your fundraising now, people. Yeah, no kidding.
0: All right. And then the last note we're going to go ahead and throw in biggest here note. is.
2: This is a big yeah, one. Yeah,
0: definitely biggest note. Yeah. We've been waiting on this one for a bit. Let's go. New assistant basketball coach, Sharif Chambliss, coming back to the Badgers. I, I'm excited about this one. Uh, he is a bad. I mean, there are a lot of people that have differing opinions on him. He's coached before, and he's he's been a very good assistant at the Horizon League level. I'm excited about that, and I want to see what he can do. He's a young guy who brings some energy, hopefully, to the recruiting front. Uh, so I'm I'm comfortable with that. I like that. I think he's going to be a good fit. I, I like seeing the staff get a little younger and bring a little bit more energy in, which I think is a good thing for, for from everyone's perspective to kind of be – you want guys that can relate with the kids. And I I think that's a big deal, especially from a recruiting standpoint, because, you know, nobody relates with them like a mid 40s white dude. That's uh, kicking it around with limited athletic ability. I, can, I, mean, I can relate to him.
1: <laughs> I
2: mean, to be fair though,
1: he's, he's replacing he's, Orlando not, Tucker. He's not. He's like, not
0: limited athletic ability. He's he's
2: replacing Orlando Crubbin Tucker off. though. <laughs> if we're talking about relating, no. I mean that that's the most probably relatable player we've and had.
0: I'm talking more from the standpoint of the overall makeup of the staff. You have Garda, who's a guy who probably is not somebody who's going to be sitting there truly relating with somebody who's 17 or 18.
2: I don't know. You would say that about Paul Chris, too, and Chris, I think, is really good one-on-one with players. I I would say Chambliss coming
1: in, he was a guy who was Basketball is a little
0: bit more of a hired gun kind of thing, though, than compared Mm -hmm. to
2: football.
1: It's still recruiting, though. It's still relationship. Isn't the most important part of this, um, the fact that he was considered to be like a really, really good assistant in the Horizon League. He was was voted the number
2: one assistant in the Horizon League, actually, by his fellow coaches. Yeah.
1: And now we have a Player who may just be able to recruit in that uh Racine, Milwaukee area where we have just Wisconsin has been terrible. I should do a big loud raspberry right now for our recruiting in the Milwaukee area. Is
0: this as simple as having somebody that knows that area? No, I don't, I don't think, think it is. I don't, think, it, I don't think
2: that's even a consideration. No, I don't think it, that's this is even, strictly
0: can't This hurt. is it can't, it can't hurt. hurt but I, no, you're, you're not wrong there, but the issue is with AAU. Is you need the connections to whatever shoe company? That's one hundred percent what it is.
2: Well, maybe not if 100%. You're a Nike team. Maybe, maybe not hundred percent, but it's a huge factor. It's obviously it a is. huge factor. Yeah, yeah.
0: If you like, looking at it this way, if you're a top player and you're playing for one of the Nike teams, you're probably going to a Nike school. Yeah, it's just the way it is currently. Under Armour has not built the reputation in AAU to be able to start pulling those players off and keeping them in the, you know, on their teams where Wisconsin is. Benefiting from that.
2: Well, but let's be and you honest. you look at it though, like we're not landing those players, Chambliss or not. Like we're not landing no, those no, no, top no. elite level players anyway. I think this is about getting a guy who can elevate Wisconsin's recruiting back to that point because we've talked about it a lot. We need to be in that kind of high three, low four-star range. we be, we got to be able to hit those players, those top 150 players. Well, and
0: that's where we – and I agree one and completely. I that's that's where, where we need to be. To
2: do. Yeah, I, I think that's – and I think Guard – I give Guard a lot of credit for this because it would have been super easy. Just, I'm just going to assume, let's say, Orlando Tucker wanted to stay. I think Guard wanted to shake up the staff a little bit, and I think he wanted to bring someone in with, with some experience. And Well, I'm not I sure. They over this year
0: for it's sure.
2: It's not
1: like they wandered far from the badger tree in getting Shreve shameless Yeah, but it's not
0: like he was somebody on, you know, like around the program. Like he was off doing his own thing.
1: He's five years. And I think that like
0: you can say what you want about players. I mean, how often do we see guys that disappear for 10 years?
1: He's a former Badger coach. Um, He was the video coordinator for Mm -hmm. two, three years. So
0: Okay, well, look at it this way out of perspective. If if we were to bring back the guy who is currently for football, the guy who's currently at Akron
1: guy who's currently You're who's talking about Sean, is Lewis, Sean right? Lewis.
0: Sean Lewis. Yes. If Sean Lewis was to come back here, his, he's got a completely different philosophy than Paul Christ. Yeah. He
1: like wouldn't he come is, back here. That's
0: the whole thing. But no, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Well, now he's not because he's a head he's coach, a head coach now, but, the, but the point that I'm saying is, is if you bring somebody like that in, you can't just assume that he's a good soldier guy who's going to come in and doesn't have a different view. And that's what people tend to do when they look at it from a program standpoint. It's like, you can't look at that. Like even a quarterback that came in to play in our style doesn't necessarily mean they one hundred percent believe in, in our content.
1: philosophy. Sharif Shambles is going to come in? And no, go no, 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 not at all. They, Greg Gard's going to be like oh, he can
2: he, be oh, a guy oh, that he
0: can be the this. guy who plays the devil's advocate no, so when we're looking at
2: things. Disagree with you on that. I think he's brought in because he he knows the company line to some degree, but but the company line knows it.
0: But he can bring he knows maybe
2: a different element. But like part of Wisconsin is the company line actually works here. Like we're we're a school that we've proven we can win in the way we recruit and develop and play. So I think there's value, and Chris does this as well, by the way. I think there's value in bringing in a person who understands the culture, understands the way we need to recruit. Wisconsin has a certain style. Like, I'm okay with bringing in a guy who's intimately familiar with that style, and I think that's what Chambliss is.
0: I agree with that. It simplifies things from a cultural stand, culture standpoint big time.
2: I think it's a great It doesn't hire, necessarily
0: mean that he, has, that he doesn't have his own ideas, but it does mean that he understands what we're trying to accomplish, yep. which is a big deal. Yep. So, from that standpoint, you know, I think that he's a good hire. I think he's a guy that will hopefully, you know, help benefit the staff here and help us go in the, further in the right direction. Like, I think all of us are happy where he's, we seem to be heading. He's clearly not a
1: right. bad hire. Let's, let's put it that way.
0: He's at worst, he's going to be a guy who's going to be a meh. You know, he's not going to yep. hurt us, but he may not elevate us. At best, he, he potentially becomes a really good assistant who ends up being a guy that we hold on to for five years and ends up taking over a head coaching job somewhere.
2: I mean, that would be ideal. Yeah, that would be best case.
0: So on that note, we're going to go ahead and take a little bit of a break, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the BuckyCast.
2: You're listening to the BuckyCast, where in-state recruiting includes Minnesota.
0: Welcome back to the BuckyCast. Justin here with Ryan and John. We're going to go ahead and kick off. We're going to do a little something new here. We're going to break down our top players from positional groups since 2000, uh, we're going to start off tonight with the offensive linemen. We're going to go over it's a
1: top. It's a top five, folks. Yep,
0: top five offensive linemen since 2000.
2: And where else would we start besides offensive line? Yeah, yes,
0: at, at O line. You take that, that's Alabama, they, that's and right. Notre that's Dame,
1: Iowa. That's what I told these guys when they said, "Why did you start out with offensive line? Why not start out with offensive that's true. line?" Yeah, no John,
2: kidding. So, John was all about this.
1: Yes, let's 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 commence.
2: So number five, number five,
1: number five, number Number five, five.
2: there we go. Who wants to go first?
1: You know, I'll,
0: I'll lead off. I'll lead off on this. I'm going to bring my boy who you guys love when I bring him up. So I'm going to go ahead and drop number five for me. Kevin Zeitler. Very, very good guard for the Badgers in his time here. Obviously was a very good NFL player picking up all pro status in the NFL. That's not criteria for what we're looking at here. Simply his Badger career. But he was part of that 2010 offensive line, which was extremely good. You know, probably the best offensive line in Badger history. Probably one of the
2: better lines in NCAA history. Not even probably. John, who do you got at five, John?
1: My number five is uh, Michael Dieter. Uh, Michael Dieter, uh, you know, three-year starter. uh, Played a bunch of different positions. Back in 2018, the benighted year of 2018 that everyone hates to talk about. He was the uh, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year. He was an All-American. And he, it was one of his two times being All-Big Ten, first team. Uh, based on those accolades alone uh, and his versatility, I, I'm putting Dieter up at number five.
2: That's, that's high on Dieter for me. Um, yeah, me too. I've got Peter Kahn's at number five. Um, second team All-American. Part of those those great offensive lines helped pave the way for historic uh, rushing attacks, The Monte Ball, and that whole group. Um, he was ridiculously athletic for a center, able to pull it to the edge, NFL draft pick. Um, and like I said, second team All-American, um, multiple Big Ten guy. So Cons is, is who I have at number five. Also now a lawyer. He graduated from UW's uh, law school.
0: Mo- moving on to my number four, John Moffitt. Decidedly not a lawyer.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> not he's not in that that sense in the courtroom <laughs>
0: consensus all-american at wisconsin very good player another guy that was part of that 2010 offensive line um uh, they were just productive man it's really hard for me to step away from that group
1: um uh, my number four bo benshaw uh two-time all-american 2017-2018
0: are you sure you don't just have the Sports Illustrated cover sitting in front of you?
1: No, I, I don't.
2: You're talking. We're talking the best offensive lineman from 2000. Bo Benchwar starting
1: from 2000 and going forward. Okay. The accolades speak for themselves, gentlemen. I'm not going off of like pro career or anything like that. Consensus All-American, two-time All Big Ten, first team. He he has the he has the hardware. It wasn't like he was a bad offensive lineman. I think everyone gets confused between how bad the 2018 team played and the quality of the offensive linemen that were on it.
0: I get stuck on looking at 2018's offensive linemen as I feel like there was a lot more reputation than there was actually backing it up. And
1: I think that the offensive line got scapegoated in 2018 for the fact that Alex Hornibrook was terrible that year. So I they, they
0: weren't bad. I don't want you to under, get that impression at all. But when we look at this, and, and and I know we don't want to really bring in the NFL. No, no. But the it. NFL
2: is part of it for me.
0: It is, and oh, it is for well, me too. No, 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 no. There's something to this because because none of these guys were high draft picks, and that speaks something to what yeah. they put on film.
2: Like, so here's here's where the NFL portion of this I think is a major factor. It's not. I don't care about their NFL career, although we could talk about how amazing Joe Thomas was. till, till the, the cows come home, but where they were drafted to me is a validation point mm-hmm. of how good they actually were in college. Bo Benchall was undrafted. Like I, I, don't think Benchwal. I'm not trying to knock on anybody, but and obviously your list is your list and my list is my list. But I think Benchwal is not at the caliber of the lineman if we're talking the best five since 2000. So that's it's just an interesting selection in my opinion.
0: It is, and that's what we want here. We want we want something you to talk you don't
1: about. Get to be a two time All American by being a schmo.
0: No, I I don't think that he, I don't think don't that, he that he was that
1: a was schmo. Listen, well, no, but,
0: but that matters. So the standard,
2: the that, standard that matters, is different at
0: Wisconsin. The standard is different at Wisconsin. Like getting an All American status is kind of the starting point.
2: To Justin's point, part of, of the award season is preseason hype, and there's never been an offensive line hyped like that Wisconsin line. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Like that's part of the I think season. both of
1: you guys are so pissed off about the 2018 season. No, I just don't, don't think. No, I'm like, not you at all. Look at the other people. I, that listen, can you, be on you're this not list. wrong.
0: Jonathan Taylor was the only bright spot of that season. Like that team, the rest of that team was.
1: Jonathan Taylor did not do all that by himself.
0: He didn't. I'm I'm not saying that. That's the point. I'm saying it's they were hand in hand. The offensive line was not bad. I just look at these guys and I don't think that they were elite to the point of some of these guys that we've seen.
2: Like, where was Benchfall special? That's where I started. They were very
0: good. I've seen guys, we've seen some of these guys who were not only very good, but were elite and ended up showing that by being also
2: elite NFL players all right let's move I'm on I'm sorry
1: Peter Collins was not an elite NFL player
2: he was an elite athlete though and he was the third round pick all right let, let, me, let me move on to my number four because I also don't want to turn this into like killing Bo Benchwall because like I I have nothing again obviously no, not he's a very well. good badger it's a, um, okay we're
0: in a different we're in a different place than most yep. programs
2: all right so for my number four I got uh, first team all American Ryan Ramcheck. that's who I got at left tackle
1: he's my honorable mention
2: um, now he, you can ding him a little bit because he obviously didn't play a ton of games for Wisconsin, but for a guy to step right in and be one of the best left tackles in all of college football. And again, a first round pick, which you, you may or may not weigh, but to me, that's validation to the way he played at Wisconsin. So he's my number four.
1: Moving on to number three,
0: number three for number me, three. Travis Frederick stud. Yep.
2: Total stud
0: came in absolute beast as a true freshman. For a kid to come in and play like that, and as as a team that we saw a true freshman try to go in there, this last year when injury happened, it's not an easy position to dive into and be able to physically hold up, let alone mentally. And Frederick was excellent from the start.
2: Totally Guy smart. who graduated,
0: I believe, in three years. Did he hmm. double major
2: in three with the engineering degree? I believe he played guard and center, excelled at both was in also
0: college. was also dominant when they went to the Lowry's. Beef eating competition for Shocking. Rose Bowl. That's true. <laughs>
1: Shocking. That we cannot, we cannot. Dispute.
0: The guy's just a beast. And it's a shame, to be yep. honest, you know, going into his NFL career, it's a shame that he got the guy had some, some issues with his health because he was an NFL beast too. And it's, it stinks that he's not going to have I know. a better reputation than what he already put out there.
2: I think he has a very good reputation. He made he does. three he was four an pro, pro, pro Bowls. Yeah. He
0: was an All-Pro.
1: I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Travis Frederick is fine in terms of his Pro Oh no, no, no,
2: no. Uh, well, yeah. I,
0: and maybe in his eyes he was like, but I, you look at it, and you could have said he could have gone down as being one of the better centers in NFL
2: history.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, for my number three, I have the Bear Jew, Gabe Carini
2: great player
1: uh one especially dominant year in 2010 he was the linchpin of that 2010 offensive line outland trophy winner that year all-american uh big 10 offensive lineman of the year obviously uh first team all big 10 uh was just utterly dominant was a shade under six foot eight when he was measured on at uh pro day didn't have much of an nfl career that sort of petered out but um yeah, he was, he was a dominant, uh, offensive tackle for Wisconsin. Um, dang near prototypical for what you want.
2: Yep. So creamy was my number six. So I mean, he was a total stud. That's a great pick. I probably should have had him higher. Actually. Um, my number three was Kevin Zeitler, uh, Waukesha first team, all American, you know, one of many first team all Americans that are going to be on this list. Uh, and again, w- Every one of these guys is basically that that we're listing. Oh yeah, it's such a hard honor to get, and we can just rattle off guy after guy after guy after guy who was first team All American, but he was also a first round pick, first team All American, part of that two thousand again, part of that group of offensive line we've been talking about that won two Big Ten titles. Well, ben
1: Shaw was a two time All American.
2: Yeah, again, I don't listen. we can
0: We can build an extremely good NFL offensive line simply off a of guys drafted in the last ten years.
2: Yeah. Oh, easily. So, so that tells you all you need
0: three. to know about how much talent has come through since 2000.
2: But I, I really, I, lo- I like John's Kareemi pick at three. I probably should add Karimi higher, to be honest.
0: Oh, there's nothing wrong. I mean, it's real. This is a really tough list to compile. I'm going to go ahead. I will lead off number two. For me, it was Ryan Ramchick.
2: Yeah. And that's down. because
0: watching, watching him play that one season, he was dominant. I'm just sorry. Like he locked down that left tackle position like an absolute machine. And now he's doing it at right tackle in the NFL, and it's just like locking it down at all pro status. It's like this guy, if he had played more years with the Badgers, he just would have just racked up more accolades. It was so obvious
2: from the minute he played at Wisconsin. It was so obvious that dude was going to play one year. I,
0: I, want, I want to bring up, and this is, this is why I put him in such high esteem. Colvin Landon was an extremely heralded recruit coming in. And it is night and day. The level of play between those two guys. And Cole Land was not bad, but that tells you how good Ramcheck was in his oh, time elite. that he played for us.
1: But again,
2: the dominant made three NFL all pro teams. And again, we're not for using my,
1: he played at my alma mater, UWSP. Yes. So, Steven's point, baby. The pointers. So one of the best transfers in probably one of the most oh, unheralded yeah. but great transfers that we've ever had. Sure. Absolutely.
0: Well, look at it. I mean, Paul Kroos wanted him at Pitt to begin with, so they knew that he had talent. Yep. It's a shame that he didn't come here to begin with.
1: Uh, my number two has to go to Tyler Biotish. Um, Biotish was a, a, another uh, two-time All-Big Ten, All-American in 2019, and won the Remington Trophy in 2019. Uh, came in as a redshirt freshman started. So converted defensive lineman. Um, just another player who just came in and just knew how to do what he needed to do. Um, career was a little bit, um, overshadowed in, in, by that 2018 season that was just terrible. But, um, overall, uh, was pretty much marked for the pros after his redshirt freshman year. And he did wind up leaving early and now, um, now plays for the Cowboys and is their starting center, succeeding Travis Frederick. So.
0: I honestly think out of that 2018 group, he was the best player. Injury obviously hampered him quite a bit his his last couple of years. Um but yeah, very very good player. Yep. Came through with you know not a lot of expectations from him and it shows just how much we miss on Wisconsin in terms of the recruiting services. Like we consistently pump out these guys that end up turning into mm-hmm. All-Americans.
2: My number 2 is Yeah, my number two is, uh, we already talked about him, so we won't talk much, is Travis Frederick. The only thing I'd add to Frederick is, I don't know if you guys remember when Russell Wilson came to Wisconsin. Do you guys remember the quote he talked about with Travis Frederick when he first met him? Trivia question. anybody remember what he said about Travis no, Frederick? No,
1: I don't. I do not, actually. He said,
2: because he said he, he met the Badgers offensive lineman on the visit, and he said they kept getting bigger and bigger as it came out of the weight room. He said, Travis Frederick is the most bear-like human being I've ever met in my life. <laughs> And it's With the, the greatest hair that is so. Yep, big. <laughs> it's the greatest quote I've ever heard, or one of them. So yeah, Travis Frederick's my number two, the most bear-like Am I human wrong? being. Does he
0: seem like that? would Be his personality on the field uh, too? Like he seems like an ornery dude. on The, the most field.
2: bear-like human being I've ever seen in my life. I love it. That's Travis Frederick. He's my number two.
0: Oh, yeah. I think I think number one, if you have anybody else and the guy that we're all gonna yeah. list here, it's this just ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's Joe Thomas. Yep. yep. He's the he is for a freak. all the reasons. The guy is the guy could end up going down as the best NFL left tackle of all time. Well, so he's he the seventh
2: uh, NFL.com chose him as the seventh best NFL tackle of all time of all time, which is still incredible if you think
1: about how how many tackles have played football. He also yeah, has two two time all big two time all big ten pick. Yep. Um America uh, All American in 2006, Outland Trophy winner in 2006. Yep. Which to win the Outland as an offensive lineman is elite. Yep. So uh, I don't so athletic,
0: so athletic that the guy could transition over to defensive line and be productive in literally weeks. Going into a bowl cost game,
1: him, it actually cost him some time because he got mm-hmm, hurt he got hurt. Yep. End in a ball game if i remember correctly but
0: as we've seen with our starting center this year it is not easy to go ahead and transition over to try and play defensive line nope he just had that freakish level of athleticism that he could do it and you look at him as an even as a tackle and i talked to we've talked about this a little bit in the other episodes
2: he's a guy that had a frame that was an athletic frame he was a monster and incredibly durable incredibly durable um you know, in the NFL, again, I, we're not going to harp on that, but this stat has to be put out there. He had 10,363 consecutive snaps, which is an NFL record. It's just incredible durability. Um, and obviously playing for a team, wasn't very good either. The only bone I got to pick, and John, I have to pick it, is how is Travis Frederick not on your list? I, I can't. He has to be on your list. I can't. He didn't,
1: have, he didn't have the accolades that uh, other players. But, but have. watch
2: him play, though. Like, how is he? I I don't understand how he he has to be on our list.
1: Right? Better than this, all
2: is, this, is, this
0: is where it's beautiful because as Wisconsin fans, we all have different perspectives, and everyone gets to kind of throw in their view. And with Wisconsin offensive linemen, there is a lot of ammunition all over the My field. My view is he's there. wrong. I understand.
2: <laughs> My view is you can't have a top five without Travis Frederick on it.
1: Well, I guess you'll have to take that.
0: <laughs> <resentment>. <laughs> well, hey, we're giving people something. We're going to end up getting a comment back on this on Twitter or something like that. Somebody being like, yeah, it's going to be John, at Travis Frederick. Doing? The comment is going to be at Travis <laughs> yeah. Frederick.
2: What is going on?
0: That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send a message after this episode gets posted. I'm going to go, hey, you know what? One of the guys didn't have you on the list. What do you think of that, John? John's going to get a knock on his door. Michael in like two Peter weeks. would agree. <laughs>
2: Bo Benchwell <laughs> wouldn't have himself on this list over Travis Frederick.
1: I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> the
0: battle is on. This is why we drink during the episodes. It makes it so much more fun.
1: If, if Travis Frederick's showing up on my doorstep, then I'm sending Bo Benshaw and Michael Dieter to yours. Deal. So. That's okay.
0: You know what? I'm going to throw out there, knowing most of our linemen and their combine, ta- combine times, I feel like I can outrun those guys. So I'm going to go ahead and take a it five point.
2: Yeah, TF ran a 5.85, by the way. It's one of the slowest that con- You could outrun Travis <laughs> Frederick. <laughs> So you got to be on, to but, but,
1: my, but my apartment is an enclosed space.
0: Oh, he's gonna put you through a wall, bro. Well, yeah, don't don't let, don't let him keep you in a phone booth. It's like an alligator. Get <laughs> leave. Oh, you man. can't cut. Got,
1: no. Let's let's cut Ryan off now. he's going
0: out of control. All right, on that note, guys, we're gonna go ahead and take a little bit of a break here. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Bucky Cast.
2: You're listening to the Bucky Cast. Follow us on Twitter at the TheBuckyCast or email the show at TheBuckyCast at gmail.com.
0: Welcome back to The BuckyCast, guys and girls. We're going ahead and we're going to kick off the over-unders from the West Division here. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to Ryan. Ryan, what do, we got, what do you got for us here? What are we looking at in terms of the teams in the Big Ten West for this upcoming season?
2: Yeah, so we thought this would be a fun segment. So the official over-unders from Vegas, from the, the casinos are now, but... There are projected over-unders, and the, the officials should be close to this. So we're going to go every West team, over-under, and we're just going to take a stab at it. So first team up on the list is Illinois. The over-under is set at five for Brett Bielema's initial season. Justin, what do you think? Illinois over-under five.
0: What are we looking at for a non-conference? Do you know that?
2: The non-conference for Illinois is UTSA, Virginia, and Charlotte. All right. Virginia could be a tough game ahead. that is at Virginia. Yes. And they I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to
0: agree with that. So we, we're looking at two wins, probably in the non-conference, yep. followed by three in the big. I'm going to go ahead. They do have a returning quarterback. Um, I think they lost a lot of those transfers, though, that helped them quite a bit. They lost their best wide receiver.
1: Yep. Well, they got a bunch of transfers. I'm, I'm going to go
0: ahead. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to say it's a push. I think they hit okay. right on five. I don't think they're going to beat that. I think Bielema's got some work to do to get that the trenches built on that team to really be able to get them competitive. But I think they're good enough to pick up somebody a couple of times there and, and knock them out and catch them off guard if they're not if they don't come to play.
1: I am going with the under on this one. Um I don't think Illinois surpasses four wins. Which would actually, for Brett Bielema's team, be a really good start? Would be four and eight, considering the depth to which that program has sunk in terms of the talent level available. I realize they have Brandon Peters back. Brandon Peters is not a good quarterback. Twenty nineteen was sort of an outlier for Brandon Peters.
0: I think he um, has talent. I, I do. I think he's a really good quarterback. No, I think. But I think part of what we're looking at is he hasn't really had a great coaching staff either.
1: Well, they uh, Illinois really doesn't. Wisconsin have a running wanted him. game. Does Illinois he really now? Running game.
0: Coaching staff. I think Bilama is a competent coach. He's competent, Do I think but that he's great. good enough? Do I think he's good enough to do anything more than make them competitive in the West? And by competitive, I mean a team that week in and week out is not going to just roll over and play dead. No. I think I I think think he can do that. I don't think he can be above that.
1: The bottom line here being there's not a winner their defense is not good enough to hold up against almost every team, not just in Mm -hmm. the Big Ten, but in the Big Ten West, period. So that's why I'm going with under. Yep,
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with John on this. I'm on the under. The interesting thing with all these, which makes college football unique, is especially the Big Ten, is the crossover schedules. None of these things are created equal. Illinois actually has a pretty easy crossover slate. They play Maryland. They play Rutgers. And I believe the other crossover is – I just had it – Penn State. So that's a tough one, obviously, but the other two are pretty easy. I also agree under, though, new coaching staff. I'm going to go four wins. All right, let's move on. Uh, Next team up, Minnesota set at 7.5. Kind of sneaky high. John, you go first. What do you think? Minnesota 7.5.
1: I'm going with the under on this one. I am not going to completely diss Minnesota because they have a lot of things going for them. They have Mo Ibrahim, who's clearly the best running back in the Big Ten this year, at least going into the season. Uh, They do have an experienced quarterback in Tanner Morgan. They've got some weapons at wide receiver. They have a great offensive line. That's probably the best offensive line in of the Big Ten, maybe getting outside some pe- of Ohio State. Getting
2: some people back on that, really? too. Getting some people back, too.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, tons of tons of starting experience. Uh, Daniel Falele coming back. Their defense, though, is the wild card. Their defense was atrocious last year. They got better as the season went on, but they still weren't great. Uh, and everyone else in the Big Ten has now had a year to prepare as well, the same sort of offseason. I think Minnesota is going to come in at 500. I put them at six wins and getting to a bowl game, but I'm not willing to go to seven and a half or eight for them.
0: I'm going to go ahead and come in at seven at the maximum. I think they're probably closer to being around 500 at like six and six. In all honesty, they're going to they're going to get dump trucked by Ohio State right off the beginning of the season. and And that's with me not even being super high on Ohio State. I just think the gap talent there is – excessive between the two, and even if the quarterback position for Ohio State isn't great, I just think they kick their butt at literally every other position that it doesn't matter. Minnesota doesn't have Bateman. And while I like Auden Bell, I don't think that he's that guy. I think that he can catch teams a couple times. He's a good enough player that I think he's a fringy – he's probably a a solid number one in the Big Ten.
1: I think Daniel Jackson takes a jump. Yeah.
0: I think he takes a jump, but I don't see him being a guy who's going to be like – 50 catches this year, or even 40. I I'll tell I think you he's one, a guy if, who will suddenly will be at 30.
1: If Mo Ibrahim gets hurt, then I'm going to go way under. Uh, but
2: He's a good running back, out- for sure. Outstanding yeah. running back. I'm going to agree with both of you, though. We're going to make it a clean sweep. Minnesota under. I will say that I think this is pretty close. After the Ohio State game, which we all think they're going to get dumped, they go Miami, Ohio, Colorado, Bowling Green, Purdue, bye week, Nebraska, Maryland, at Northwestern. And then Illinois—that's a really easy stretch, is all I'm saying. And I think Tanner Morgan can be at least an average Big Ten quarterback.
0: I'm, I'm going to go out there. And I disagree. I don't think I'm they're going to go get ahead. by
1: Colorado.
0: They may not. I think Colorado is going to hit him I think that they're gonna also like lose. that game is in Boulder. I think Nebraska is actually going to be ooh a, a team this year. You're hitting on my sneaky he,
2: team later, so we're all. Under I don't. On I don't think they're
0: going to be great, but I think. I think that yeah, I think that they're going. to I think Minnesota is going to get caught a couple times this year. Okay. Oh. I, don't, I do not think that last year was an aberration. I think that's more what we're going to see.
2: All right, let's move right, on to Northwestern. Um, Northwestern is at 6.5. Um, Justin, what do you think about Northwestern 6.5 over under?
0: Oh, man, this is tough because somebody's got to actually hit over. But I think Northwestern had a lot of transfers. They lost some good talent on that team. I think they're probably 6 or 7. So 6.5 is a really good mark for this. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say under just because I think that there's a solid chance that they really struggle in the defensive side. They lost some studs on defense. And they and plus they lost Hankowitz, who to be quite honest, you won a game against Wisconsin. And Hankowitz, I'm gonna be honest, is is their freaking white knight. That guy is the kryptonite of the Wisconsin offense. And losing him, I hope that Pat, Fitzger- Pat Fitzgerald is everything that you think he is in a defensive mind, too. Because you're going to need somebody to pick up that slack. Otherwise, you've got a couple of games there where you may have hiccups just because you lost stud defensive coordinator.
1: Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. It's all about what's going to happen with the quarterback at Northwestern. If Ryan Holinski is good or Hunter Johnson finally figures it out, um, I'm going with the over on this one. I'm do you think either of those and guys five. are going to be
0: anything more than average, though?
1: I don't know, but all they really need is average. It's not like Peyton Ramsey lit things up last year. As long as the defense continues to be solid and the Big Ten West continues to be relatively weak, Northwestern does not have a difficult schedule. They do face Notre Dame, I believe. But, but hold on. Uh, or is that Purdue? That's Purdue. Yep, That's they do. Purdue, not. The, defense, the there,
0: defense last year was a lot more than solid. The defense last was year was salty. extremely good.
1: But the defense is always solid at Northwestern, is what I'm saying.
0: You're not wrong there. I mean, it would be it would be they're not gonna take a Minnesota dump and just be terrible. Their their fall is probably like, Hey, we're gonna drop back into like the mid thirties for defense, which is still a competent defense, but it's the better teams are you're gonna struggle with.
1: I just believe in Pat Fitzgerald. but I think they go seven and five and wind up. That's fair. I, th- I think
0: that's, I think that's fair. I, th- I I see them at six and six. So I, I think that the, the defensive side of the ball is going to sting them a little bit this year and yes. they'll figure some things out.
2: I think that's a, a very fair point, but I'm once again with John on this, I have the over, I have him right above that line. I think Fitzgerald's really good. Holinski just needs to be solid. This is also the second year of the new offensive coordinator. So he made a dramatic impact last year. The offense was better. This is the second year in the system. And again, if we're talking schedules, and that plays a huge part in this, their crossover schedule isn't exceptionally hard, and their non-conference schedule is pretty easy. They have games against Ooh, Indiana. crossover? Yeah, their crossovers are Michigan State, Michigan, and Rutgers, and Rutgers is after a bye. Um, and the non-conference is Indiana State, Ohio, and Duke. All of that's pretty manageable. So, I'm going to go over.
0: Yeah, Duke, Duke might be feisty. Duke's but yeah. fine, but
2: it's, that's not a hard crossover schedule or a hard out-of-conference
0: schedule. No, it's I
1: believe not. they killed Duke last year, so um, regardless. So, we are both um, over
2: on Northwestern, and Justin is under. All right, let's move on. Uh, Purdue, boiler up. Purdue is set at 5.5. 5. John, over-under 5.5 5. on Purdue.
1: Hard-under. Uh, Jeff Braum has not done anything with all the weapons that he has been given their defense has been terrible they've switched up defensive coordinators again um i this is a ship that is just steering from iceberg to iceberg trying to just stay afloat bouncing off of everything um Braum got really lucky his first couple of years. Uh, Since then, he has not shown the ability to maximize his talent. He's got David Bell and Milton Wright on his team, for God's sake, not to mention Payne Durham at tight end. Uh, You should not be struggling to score. You should not be struggling to win when you have that many weapons. But uh, you know what? He's got George Karloftis on his defense, uh, who's an all-Big Ten player who we would take in 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 a New York minute. Uh, good defensive backs. Corey Trice could go to the NFL at any time. Jalen Alexander at linebacker. This should not be a team that's struggling this much, but they are. And until Jeff Brom shows me that he's figured it out and found a quarterback who can stick, I'm going the under. I'm going to pick him at four and eight.
0: All right. That's fair. I'm going to actually take the over on this. I'm going to say it's six and six, seven and five. I think that they get. Sooner or later, you're going to hit on a defensive coordinator co- yeah, defensive coordinator that's competent. And <laughs> I think that...
1: <laughs> but, but, but competent doesn't have to be them. crazy.
0: Competent just means because they're so explosive offensively. If you find somebody that can keep a team to, say, mid-20s, you may win seven games because of the fact that you're just going to be good enough off- offensively. I will. I look at it this <laughs> way. Do I believe in them? Not really, but somebody's got to pick up the slack a little bit, and I don't really trust these teams that are they're kind of looking at to be more towards the top end. I think that Purdue is good enough to sneak up on a couple of those teams and drag them down, like a Minnesota. Like, would it shock you if Purdue beat Minnesota?
2: No, it wouldn't shock I don't me. Think so it really doesn't shock me it if any team in the West beats any other team blew in the up West. Purdue either. So. Like, it, no team beating that any other true. team in the West is shocking. That's, by the way, that's
0: that's the issue. Like, they the two top teams that I view in the West this year are Wisconsin and Iowa. And I don't think it's close. Um. So and I, Iowa, even, and I think Iowa has some 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 warts on them for sure.
2: I, I agree. I think they do as well. And we can get into Iowa in a second. Um. I'm going to agree with, actually, John. Once again, John and I are, are waltzing to the same beat here. Um. So I am also under on Purdue. And some of this is just schedule. Like again, this schedule matters. Their crossover is tough. Their non-conference is tough for a team that's struggling to kind of make that. That headway. What are the
0: crossovers?
2: Yeah, their crossover is Indiana, Ohio State, and Michigan State. I mean, that's yeah, tough. That's tough. And then, and even they're out of conferences. Sneaky tough. They go. They have Oregon State. They go to UConn. UConn's not good, but going to UConn's always like going on a road game is always tricky. And then they, and then they have Notre Dame. Because UConn is terrible. UConn's terrible, but you're going on the road is all I'm saying. You're, you're going, going to a high school stadium. You're going. i bet to. So that's Rentsler, by the way, Rentsler Stadium. I've been there. It's such a weird place. It's right by Pratt and Whitney's factory. It's, um, it's
0: like playing Northwestern, but You the go there is, and you're like, t- "There's no, no, no." But like,
2: no UConn, we're, we're focusing way too much on UConn. UConn doesn't matter. They still have to play Oregon State and don't. Notre Dame in the out of conference, and their crossovers include Indiana, which has been really solid under Tim Allen, Ohio State, which is going to crush them. Like, that's a tough schedule for Purdue. So I am, I am all well, in on the other.
0: Pennix in Indiana, they're winning.
2: I am if He's in not injured.
0: If he's not injured, Indiana's, Indiana's probably. They're a better program this they, be the, they may be the second best team in the
2: East. And then you still have Ohio State and Michigan State. Um, I'm under on Purdue. All right.
0: That sounds fair. Who's All right. next?
2: Um, Iowa. So next team up on the docket, uh, Iowa set at a pretty robust 8.5 for Ferencz and his crew. Um, John, why don't you kick it off? Iowa, what's, what's your thoughts?
1: I'm over. Uh, I've got him at 9-3. and Iowa's just tough. Uh, even uh, the the biggest bone you can pick with them right now is can they replace all the defensive linemen they lost? But and wide it's, receivers. Well, but you replace uh, Amir Smith Marset and Brandon Smith with Tyrone Tracy Jr. and Nico Reganey, uh, who are two good wide receivers in their own right. So.
0: It, but you're it, losing the other two guys. You are so the They have to guys. step up.
1: That's true, but they also have a bunch of tight ends because it's Iowa. Iowa. They have a good offensive line. They always have a good defensive line. Again, it's Iowa. So mm-hmm. they're going to plug guys in there. Uh, their, their defense is always going to be salty. Uh, they have a great running back in Tyler Goodson. Uh, Spencer Petrus, I'm not sold on, but there have been a lot of good reports about Alex Padilla. Uh, who is the erstwhile backup, but who seems to be making a move to be the starter? And if he's that sort of solid game manager that gets Iowa, Iowa's offense, you know, 24, 28 points, they can roll with anybody. And I just, I, I firmly believe, I don't think they're going to beat Wisconsin because the game is, you know, in Camp Randall. And Wisconsin's going to be looking for a little bit of revenge after getting embarrassed last year in Kinnick Stadium. I'm going nine and three for the Hawkeyes, uh, just just right behind Wisconsin in the Big Ten West. So I'm going with the over on that.
0: All right, I'm gonna, let's let's call this one out. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna dive into this one a little bit deeper because I do legitimately think that they are Wisconsin's biggest competitor. Let's go through the schedule here. What do we what do we got for Iowa?
2: Iowa's crossovers. It's not an easy slate. It's Indiana at Maryland and Penn State. It's not an easy. I think they go two and one there.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they lose to Indiana, and they beat the other two. Okay. What else do they have on the schedule? So
2: the the non-con has a potentially, if you believe the hype, a pretty tough Iowa State team that's at Ames. So they go on the road they're to Iowa, take State. Iowa State. I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna call that a loss.
2: Yeah, they're gonna lose to they're they're gonna lose in Ames. They typically lose in Ames. By the way, even when Iowa State's not I, good, I think they're gonna. I think Purdue.
0: I think Purdue State. State, I think, I think they're they're that's a State quarterback so battle. Okay. I think that's a quarterback battle, and I think Purdy is a much better quarterback. But even
2: when Iowa State's not good, those games are always coin flips.
0: Mm-hmm, they are.
2: Um, and, and, then, and
0: they have an, a legitimate guy who's probably going to be an NFL quarterback in Purdy.
2: And then they have Kent State and Colorado State to round out their non-con. Okay, those are wins. Those are wins.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And then and it's the West. Who, all right.
2: They do have a strategic buy right before they play Wisconsin, which I think matters.
1: I don't think it's going to matter in terms of beating Wisconsin, but I think yeah. they have an advantage over every other team in the Big Ten West.
2: I
0: think I think you're right. After after going through this, what did I say? Indiana's a loss, and I think I gave them everybody else except for uh,
1: Iowa State. State and Wisconsin. So, and they'll, so they'll, lose and random, they'll lose a random game in there, and that could be too.
0: They, I would it shock you if they lost to Minnesota? Probably not. I Actually think Minnesota it wouldn't shock me can, if they lost to
1: Minnesota. It wouldn't shock me if they lost to like Northwestern or well, Purdue, but
0: I say this because I think that Minnesota it. Minnesota is competent offensively. They have a good running game. If if they can't get pressure on Tanner Morgan, he can be a good quarterback. If they get pressure on him, he can be terrible.
2: Mm-hmm. Like mini so it's one of those
0: things if they if if the defensive line is not as good as they're used to, they could be in trouble. Because I think they'll run on them, and I think they'll pass on them.
2: So you are both over that a, on Iowa.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm nine and three, but that I think that's their ceiling.
2: Okay, John. Listen, it's been a long relationship, but they, we were due to part ways at some point here. Oh, <laughs> I am under. I, I am Ooh. under on Iowa. I listen. Here's the thing. I think Iowa can be pretty good. Oh.
0: And that, that's not shocking. I no, think it wouldn't bother. First of all, I think it's the line being, is 8.5, and you guys
2: both predict them for nine wins. It shouldn't be shocking if they win eight. Yeah. Like, yeah
0: I, I think, that, I think their floor the schedule, is
2: probably – floor, no, floor is probably I don't know if they have a quarterback. Like, I don't like Petrus. Their floor is seven. And I don't know Petrus have, is all
0: over the place. I don't know if they have he is not better what they're than they're And if you to. don't
2: have a good quarterback, you're going to drop random games. I don't know if they have any yeah. quarterback, and I don't think they have an explosive running game. They lost a ton on the defensive line. I agree with that.
0: Goodson. I think Goodson is a guy who is – is good, he's but good. he's not great.
2: He's like, Goodson's yeah. fine, but he's Goodson is much like um, trying he's a, to he's what, a, what is this? What is his ceiling as a running? Goodson back? is Legit, not a great running and they don't have another 1, guy 1, yards. Him. Um, they have to place which is good. They have to but that dudes means on that he's the, probably going to have a couple of games where he has sixty. They yards. have to replace three dudes on the defensive line. Goodson hasn't been an explosive playmaker. They have Penn State in the non-con or in the crossovers, and they have a very tough game in Ames. Um I think. I think eight and four, even seven and five, is more likely than than anything better. But than I think that's wins. their floor. Oh, wow,
0: I think seven and is five harsh. is. I think seven and five is. Their I would floor. say
2: it's their floor, but seven and five is under. Like so, I, I think they're at the under. All right, so um, let's jump it to Nebraska, one of our favorite teams to discuss on the Buc- <laughs> on the Bucky Cast. Um, Nebraska, we have the over under set at seven games for Scott Frost. Um, Justin, seven games over under Nebraska. Oh man. What's the non-con? Hold on one second. Oklahoma, I will get it for you. Oklahoma,
1: which is a loss.
2: Yeah, they do. So, which, by the way, uh, the that is an two amazing are... game. It's Oklahoma for. They are somehow playing Fordham.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they they ex- do they- we count like, that they- one? No, Can we ex- say they have an 11-game schedule? <laughs> they are somehow playing Fordham. <laughs> like,
2: come on, bro. But okay, they so they played.
1: one the FCS opponent for another. They, they were going Fordham, to play a different team Buffalo. earlier. Hold on. They were going to play a, an FCS team early, later on in the year in like November. And they decided to move that instead to move it to. So it's, it's a wash, regardless. Of their uh,
2: so they're playing Fordham, Buffalo, and going to Norman.
0: Win, win, loss.
2: Yep. And their crossovers are Michigan State, Michigan, win, and Ohio State.
0: Loss.
1: Well, that's one and two right there. So we're looking at three hundred. So that already. puts at
0: three and three, right now. And then we're looking at the West. I think they lose to Wisconsin. I think they lose to Iowa. Other than that, probably Northwestern, um, maybe. So so that puts them at three and six. So they're at the under already.
2: So you're you're already at so. the under.
0: I'm going to say that I think that I think that they take a step forward. I think they're six and six. It wouldn't shock me to see them upset Minnesota. Um, I'm, I think I think their defense is solid. I think the offense is a complete wild card. I don't know what to make of them. They could be anywhere from comp, like slightly competent to be terrible.
1: Well, if you look at it from the perspective of um, talent, they have the talent on offense. It's, it's there, do. but there's so many unknowns. Marquis Step. Um, is an is a walking injury. He, we we want to stop. They lack identity. Well, no. Let me let me finish here. Hold on. Go ahead. Marquis Step has foot problems, and he he was out for spring. So already that tells me. Um, you know, can you rely on him? No. They do have other running backs, but none of them are proven. They have they a couple of guys that were solid, didn't they? Uh, no, they don't. They have a bunch of of freshmen and who was the kid that
0: the Badgers players? wanted? That, that Morrison,
1: um, yeah. Wasn't he solid? also had injury issues. Okay.
0: Um, That's fair. I did. He, he ran hard on us. If I recall. Right. At wide receiver, Hino, they're
1: going to have, they're going to have a, um, they lost
0: their best player.
1: Well, but they have, they lost Wandale Robinson, but they do have, um, they have, Omar Manning is like the uh, waiting for Guffman sort of (laughs) wide receiver. (laughs) They are waiting for him. He was a Juco All-American. He's like one of the best Juco players of the 2020 recruiting class, Mm -hmm. but he never played last year. He was either hurt or we don't know what was wrong with him, but um, they're waiting for him. He could potentially be great. Uh, Samari Touré, who was an FCS All-American, is going to be at wide receiver.
2: Apparently a huge transfer. Yeah.
1: And so they they have the tools there to have a good offense, but Scott Frost's offense and Matt Lubick's offense, because he's their offensive coordinator, um, has not yet shown a propensity to move the ball down the field and run with any sort of consistency. Well, here's, and I, I I just want to finish my thought before I give out my prediction. Their defense is loaded with with experience. Just everybody came back, um. Their defensive line should be solid. I'm not saying they're going to knock the ball out of the park on defense and be a top 10 defense in the country, but they'll be solid, and that's all they really need to be. I'm going to go the under those still. I'm still I'm predicting the exact same record as um as Justin. I'm going six and six, which is an improvement for them and we'll probably get them into a bowl game. But I just can't, I can't make that step to seven and five or eight and four because I don't know what their offense is going to do.
0: And I'm going to dive in here right before you, Ryan, just, just to give my thoughts, because I agree. And I think this is something I definitely want to dive into when we do a Big Ten, Big Ten West preview about Scott Frost, because I think the issue here with them as a program is simply he doesn't know what to do in the Big Ten. He doesn't have an identity with his team. And because of that, they really struggle to do anything at a high level. Defensively, I, yes, I think they'll take a step forward. I think it was solid, but I, they're not going to be great. By any means, and I think offensively they don't know what the hell they're doing. But Ryan, go ahead.
2: Yeah, all I think all that checks with charts. That's a Navy saying: "Checks with charts means um, it that makes logical sense." I actually am gonna go over on them. I wanted to go push, but I'm just gonna take a leap on it. And there are a couple reasons. I, I agree with a lot of what you guys saying. I don't. It's not. I wouldn't put a lot of money on this bet. It's not like I would mortgage the house on Scott Frost going over, but. I do think there's a chance that Adrian Martinez healthy uh, supposedly in his final year, Amari Manning and the the transfer they got from Montana form a really good duo at receiver. Their offensive line should be better. They think they found a great left tackle, uh, first left tackle, uh, freshman to start a game at left tackle Nebraska in a long time. Ben Hart's a junior. They have a, two other starters coming back. So I think the offensive line is more settled. They have a veteran quarterback. And I think there's a lot of teams in the West that frankly they could beat. I, the, the non-con is a little tough. The crossover is a little tough, but I'm going to go eight wins on Nebraska. I think they're a surprise team this year. I think a veteran quarterback and an improved defense that has nine starters back can can make a difference with a better offensive line with three or four veteran starters and a young star that they think is their left tackle of the future. So I'm going to go over it. I'm going to go over, but I, I'm i not like in love with it. If I give it a confidence, it's like a, eh. but if I wanted to put money on it, I'd put a push. I, th- I think they can get seven wins this year and,
0: I, I, I'm going to say this until I see talent in the trenches for, for Nebraska. I think they have more now, which means until I, 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 have to see it to believe it because I haven't seen them. I've seen them show it for drives where they, they look competent. And then I've seen it where they look terrible. And Wisconsin is just taking their lunch. We're, we're literally the bully that jumps in there and is like, you guys suck. (laughs) <laughs> We're just gonna beat you up now.
2: Well, I don't think they're gonna times. beat Wisconsin though. But they don't need to. No, beat. no, no. no don't I, don't I don't agree
0: with that. But what I'm saying is w- that's that's an indictment of what their talent level is there. Like there are teams in the West that that's that.
1: I think we've dunked the bracket enough. We can no, 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 show but, where we dunk on Nebraska the, for a while. No,
0: but the point I'm making here is there are teams in the West who are competent in the trenches but lack the skill talent to be able to play with the top teams in the West.
2: But they don't need to play with Wisconsin to get to eight wins or seven wins to push, is what I'm saying. That's and there's
0: that's that's fair to say. So I, I yeah, I mean I think when we're in agreement there, like you say eight is probably the max. But all right, we'll go ahead and move on. All right, last. We're we're going to go to
2: our boys. Most certainly not least, we got Wisconsin. Um, This is a tough one. Wisconsin is set at 9.5. So, uh, Justin, kick it off. Wisconsin 9.5 over under. Try to leave the homerism out or not. Go full in. Let's see.
0: I look at the schedule, and I'm just going to be honest with you. It's, It's tough because I'm not really sold on a lot of these teams. I'm not even sold on Notre Dame, who I think is the just in. They they think that they're going to jump right back up, and I'm like looking at them I'm like if there was ever a team ready to come and play them in a game, it's Wisconsin, who's watched Jack Cohen for like four years and seen every choice that he makes. I legitimately think that it's possible their cap is is undefeated. I think that they probably drop a game or two, but at the minimum would be ten wins. Like I would be shocked if they do. The The minimum minimum is ten wins.
2: Is ten. Wow. The
0: minimum. I think the defense is going to be extremely good, and I think that unless Graham Mertz is just flat out not even solid, they're gonna they're gonna win ten games. If he's bad, they'll they'll win less than ten games and have to hope that those running backs really carry his ass. But
1: I just don't see it. All things being equal, I won't belabor the point. Um, I'm going to go 10 and 2 as well, um, just because even with the four toughest games on there Penn State, um, Notre Dame. They Michigan, have as many questions Iowa, as we can, if not more. Those are three home games and a neutral site game that's in Chicago. Mm-hmm. If they do worse than 500 in those games, I would be stunned.
0: Well, I mean, let's look at the Notre so, Dame game here. Like you're legitimately, it's it's a it, like you have two stud defenses. It's basically going to come down to which, who do you believe is more competent on the offensive side in terms of a coach? Well, that's the thing we don't know. Well, no, in terms of a coach, I trust Paul Chris to put together a game plan that can work against Notre Dame more than I trust Brian Kelly. Mm,
2: Brian Kelly's do I trust to Paul
0: Chris? No, 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 listen, no no no, 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 listen to me. Listen, uh, if we want to go into that – If we want to dive into that, he's been to the playoffs. We can look at some of it. The-
2: who the hell did they play? Who do we play in many years? I mean, we let's play be Ohio State. Who is effectively the, the reason 10, we haven't we gone play in the Big Ten West? Like okay. It's not a good conference. But, it's not a good division. Okay, okay. but we played against Notre Dame. Typically, plays the reason we have not been one a playoff out of conference game several games every year.
0: years has been Ohio State. Guys, I, and if I, Notre I, Dame, had, God, to, like if to Notre Dame had to out. play Ohio I'm State, then out. Notre Dame would not be in the playoff either.
1: Hold on, I'm going to point something out before you get obsessed with that Notre Dame game. This has no impact on whether you're predicting 10-2. and two. <laughs> it Lose or win, it okay, doesn't the- matter. You're predicting 10-2 and two anyway. So before it you is. get yourself all in a high dudgeon about this game, let's keep in mind, we're not debating the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. We're debating what the record's going to be. So,
2: FYI, really quick, so everyone knows on the the Bucky Cast, John is is in charge of keeping us mostly on task, like because we are like stray cats. Yeah. Otherwise, he can't always do it. Is
0: in charge of taking us on a tangent, he can't
2: always do it. But he is that <laughs> that rational voice, so everyone knows when they're listening that tries to keep us focused as much as possible. He's like the kindergarten teacher. So, go ahead. Sorry,
0: and I'm the squirrel guy.
2: Well, you're. It's up to you now, Ryan. It's on your. Um, I am what going are you over. Going with? No, I'm going over, but I think it's close. I, I could definitely see a scenario where the quarterback plays in very good. Um, we struggle in a few areas on the defense. So side. 10-2
1: is what you're saying.
2: I'm going 10-2, but I, I think so that's – So
1: we spit all that crap out to all, all yes. completely agree with each other. Yes. And try and make it sound like <laughs> well, a very – Agreed. Incredible. Oh, my God, you guys are let let's, let's If Grant – let's listen. Mertz If
0: Grant Mertz plays to his recruiting rating, Wisconsin's playing for a playoff But in, he might not. In all right, on that note, guys, we're going to go ahead and take a little bit of a break here. We're going to drop onto one more subject and we're going to hit up Name That Badger.
2: You're listening to the Bucky Cast, where in state recruiting includes Minnesota.
0: Welcome back to the Bucky Cast. This is Justin here with John and Ryan. We're going to go ahead and hit up Name That Badger, John's favorite topic where he makes Ryan and I look like idiots.
2: Or if you get Yay. it too early, <laughs> he makes you start over.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: I may have to do that to you. Okay, this one should be. This one should not be too difficult. Oh, don't say that. All right, I hope it's difficult for
0: him and easy for me.
1: (laughs) This uh, this gentleman is from the uh, class of twenty twelve. A uh, in state two star, late addition to the class, four time academic All Big Ten, and uh, didn't start till his senior year. Career totals 108 tackles, 8 interceptions, uh, 10 passes defensed, 2 fumbles recovered, and 1 blocked kick. Uh, In 2016, he won the Big Ten Sportsmanship Award. He was a third-team All-Big Ten player for the media and honorable mention from the coaches. Leo Musso? Hillard? Oh, my God. He got it right away. Bang.
2: Are you serious? Bingo, bango.
1: <laughs> Dang. All right. Fortunately, fortunately. <laughs> no, why can't we, we end on me winning? Why can't we end on Ryan <laughs> getting a win? We can never end on you got winning. it last week, all right? Yeah. I have yet
0: to win. I'm terrible at these, apparently. Oh.
1: Right. I will stone you guys at this one. You're the worst. Walk on from... Watch me get
0: the most ridiculous one.
1: (laughs) Walk on from the class of 2010. uh, Out of Ottawa, Illinois. He was the uh, 2013 Big Ten Comeback Player of the Year. For his career, he totaled 187 tackles, three sacks, one interception, three passes defensed, and three fumbles recovered. Uh, Started off and on at linebacker up through 2013. Can you name that Badger?
2: Where is he from, Illinois? St. Jean?
1: Illinois. The proud tradition of Illinois walk-ons at Wisconsin.
0: 2013 was his senior year?
1: He was a linebacker. I'll give you that hint.
0: I'm trying to think of linebackers during that time period. Oh, man. I'm, like, diving into, like, <laughs> during that time frame. It's obviously not Borland. It's not Mike, Mike, uh,
1: Mike Taylor. Mike Mascalunas, who is Taylor. currently on the team.
0: Ah, no, no, no. Taylor. <laughs> Taylor. Was, oh,
1: okay. um, um,
0: I'm trying to think of the third guy because we, we were playing a 4-3. Son of a... Oh, man. I'm getting
2: nothing on this one. Um, who is
0: it? Like, Colmer St. Jean jumps in, but he's from Florida, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, he was in Illinois. So I'm like,
0: where... <laughs> where? It's not... Oh, man, and I think I, I, have,
1: one might be
2: I have a
0: name popping into my head and I, I cannot know. think of like, it right now. I think
2: it's easy I for know. you to be on that side of it. It's harder being on this side of it.
0: Well, There's of a guy I'm picturing is. right now that I cannot remember his name. So I, I, I totally think I know who it is. I, I
2: have nothing right, on this one.
1: Give you five, four, three, two, one. Velchilmer. Ethan Armstrong, ladies and gentlemen, uh, oh, that was the guy. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Number thirty-six.
1: Like I'm sitting there, like I'm sitting there, like
0: I know this guy. I'm like I'm sitting there, picturing in my head. I'm like, but I cannot for the life of me think of his it name. Crazy.
2: I'm still thinking of that two-star fullback that walked on, Dax Jones, from last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Golly.
0: just name him every time, Dax Jones, wide like, receiver, Dax Jones, Dax Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's oh.
1: Armstrong. That was a good one. I. Good I one. Was, he was. He uh, was. Yeah. You're oh, oh, the that's... worst. <laughs> <laughs> you what are you've won two already? Yeah, Just no go. kidding. I'm
0: terrible at this.
1: I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have dropped Copple Texas for uh, Devin. Copple Texas,
2: number ten. Put them up. <laughs> All right, that was a good show. We got we got to cut it, guys. We're uh, well past an yeah. hour. Nobody's probably listening to us at this point.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Once again, check out the BuckyCast on Twitter at Cast, And if you want to check us out on email and send us something, if you have any questions or whatnot, feel free at g at, at gmail.com. Once again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Peace. We're out.
2: Later, guys.
1: Thanks so much for listening to the Bucky Cast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time on
2: Wisconsin.